0: I got one thing to say. This is when the big dogs come out. They All okay, right. right. So the, Can't big the big dogs. Yeah. Stay on the board. It's time.
1: Live. Let's rock this place. Let's have some fun.
0: In the entertainment capital of the world, it's the T.C. Martin Show. We are seeing a special performance tonight. Diagnosis, prognosis, osmosis. Say what? It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. The doctor
2: is now in. Hour number two. Glad to have you with us here. T.C. Martin Show on a Monday afternoon quarterback edition Yeah, And the quarterback himself is going to join us here in a minute. Jay Schrader. But don't forget, come out and see us at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas each and every Friday. The best bet segment in effect. How about that? Huh? We went to several 3-0s this week on the NFL side. And our, our good friend Trevor Madich calling the Buffalo Bills the shutout. 40 to nothing over Houston. What was the terminology he used again? He's just not going to be able to slow down
0: this Buffalo offense. And Buffalo is a team that likes to crush you. Crush you. They won their last two games by a combined score of 78 to 21. They they don't want to be like Belichick. Get ahead, take the air out of the game. No. They want to harm your (laughs) spirits. Harm your spirits. That's what
2: Trevor Madden said yesterday, (laughs) or rather on Friday. And uh, that was definitely the case. All right, so we'll take a good look at uh, yesterday's action on the NFL. Chuck Esposito will join us uh, at the bottom of the hour as well, too. But right now, let's talk about tonight's game between the Raiders and the Chargers with the former Raiders quarterback, the former Washington quarterback, uh, the guy's got a Super Bowl ring. Great friend of the program. Just a great friend in general. We're talking about Jay Schrader. Jay, what's going on, brother? Not much. How are you today, TC? I'm doing good, brother. How you doing? I'm doing well.
0: Doing well.
2: All right, man. So uh, we, we got the battle tonight, huh? You pretty excited?
0: It's going to be a good one. This is going to be a good showdown, a good early season test for both teams. Um, it's going to find out... Uh, what each team is made out of, really, because they're going to get jacked up. It's going to be exciting. You know, Raiders going back to L.A., L.A. trying to make it their home, and uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, But I really look forward to a good game. It's going to come down to turnovers. That's the bottom line. Who can take care of the football?
2: Let me ask you, Jay, how much of a test do you think this game is for the Raiders? Because, let's face it, it, there's a lot of non-believers still out there, and we hear that a lot in in the the national media. They're going to say, well... You know, they beat Baltimore. You know, they came from behind. That was a great opening win. But then, you know, Pittsburgh on the road. Pittsburgh is a shell of themselves. It's not the same Steelers team with Ben Roethlisberger. And then you got the Dolphins. They fell behind. And now the Dolphins have, you know, got blown out again yesterday. I think now you're looking at a game where it's the first time that they're facing a division opponent, and there's still a lot of of people out there thinking, hey, you know, this team, you know, we're really not sure about this team. So how much of a test is this for the Raiders tonight to say, listen, man, we're on the grand stage, we're Monday Night Football again, and this is our opportunity to show everybody what we're all about, the 3-0 is for real.
0: This is a huge test for them. Um, I agree with everything you just said about the previous three games. They are facing a legit offense, a guy that can put up points. Justin Aber can just flat throw it. Uh, this is going to be the test for the defense. So uh, tonight's game's g- bottom line is, can the defense hold up to somebody that can surely sling it and has the weapons to sling it and put some points up?
2: All right, Jay Schrader joins us. We're talking Raiders Chargers tonight. SoFi Stadium there in Los Angeles. Jay, we got the two the two newest stadiums here. We got Allegiant Stadium, which uh, you've been in. SoFi Stadium. I don't know if you've got a chance to to go down there and check that out yet tonight, but it's going to be uh, you know interesting to to see how that plays out, especially considering there are so many Raider fans in Southern California. What are you thinking is going to be the percentage of fans here? Give me a percentage of, of silver and black versus the blue and gold there of the Chargers and not the Rams blue and gold, but the Chargers version of the blue and gold.
0: You know, uh, I'm going to go up. I, I bet you it's going to be 50, 50. I know a lot of, raider fans that are going to this game uh tonight and uh it'll be interesting to see how they show out you know raider nation comes out everywhere and they've always been one to have more fans in the game at a charger game than than the chargers have so we'll see if that holds true again tonight all right let's talk
2: about the quarterbacks here let's first start with Derek carr what has been your observations you know with him right now because he's, he's got the the most yardage of any quarterback, uh, you know, one of the highest, uh, you know, passer ratings. And again, I mean, he really has carried this team to three, and zero. when you look at Derek Carr, what do you see this year, Jay, compared
0: to maybe seasons past? Well, he's playing outstanding football and what they've done this year. And we talked about this when I was in the studio a while back, you know, they've been, They've got rugs now, so they can stretch the defense to go along with the underneath stuff. And Derek's taking advantage of that. And Coach Cruden's called some plays where some of those guys are getting down the field and they're wide open. So anytime that you have the threat of the big play, which they do now, um, the underneath stuff, uh, Waller's come open a bunch, and then you hit the backs out of the backfield. So Derek's done a good job of spreading the ball around, distributing it, and, and playing at a very high level. It's been fun to watch.
2: All right, Jay Schrader joins us now. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Justin Herbert, uh, the development that we've seen from him. We know he was he was a top pick. Uh, we saw he had a great career at Oregon. I know you and I have talked about him in the past when he was at Oregon and, and talk about his development thus far with the Chargers.
0: I'm very surprised um, that it's happened this quickly. We talked that uh, he had the ability coming out of Oregon, but the system didn't allow him to play a college. You know, he played a college football style. We didn't know how that was going to translate to the NFL. Well, he's proven every to everybody he can drop back and flat throw it. I mean, the kid is unbelievable, and uh, he's the reason the Chargers are where they are because he can throw the ball and his leadership skills. How about
2: the the offense for the Chargers here? I mean, Austin Eckler is a dynamic guy. I mean, he, he can remind you if we want to go old school, kind of like Darren Sproles or somebody like that. Or do you see Eckler with as being a little bit more of a of a different running back now that he's healthy?
0: No, I think that's a pretty good com- com- comparison, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because he can come on the backfield; he can do some things. So, you know. He can put his head down and get you the tough yards and he can get outside. So uh I like it. He's a heck of a football player, there's no doubt about it. And Chargers gotta get the ball in his hands to be successful.
2: All right. Uh, so we're talking about the battle of the quarterbacks here. We got Herbert and we got Derek Carr. These two guys definitely have been phenomenal, you know, so far this year. What about the coaching side here, Jay? I mean, we we all know about John Gruden and what he's doing here. We haven't, we've seen Gruden really saying, Hey man, I've had uh, you know too many close calls here. We've seen the Raiders fall behind, you know, 14, nothing in the two home games at Allegiant against the Ravens and, and then against the, the the Dolphins last week here. I mean, don't you think Gruden would love to see this team jump out to a lead?
0: Well, I think every coach would love to see your team jump out to a lead. It's just, uh, it, it's been interesting. I think in the previous three games, they've been a little conservative at the beginning of the game. Uh, it's taken them a little time to get into the rhythm to kind of hit that big play. Um, you know, they hit, hit one, uh, against the Ravens, and it kind of turned the tide after everything was going on. Then they got the fumble. Um, so they're going to need to do that. I think he needs to be a little more aggressive. I think Derek needs to kind of push the ball down the field a little bit just to let them know whether it's complete or not. you got to let them know, hey, we're going to go after the big shot.
2: Mm-hmm. All right, Raiders, Chargers going to battle tonight. 3-0 are the Raiders. Jay, do they look like a 3-0 and team to you?
0: Um, it's questionable. I mean, they've, the way they've won, I've been, you know, I've watched all the games. I've been at the two home games. Um, they've, they, they have spurts where they look really, really good. And then they have spurts where you wonder who they are. Um, and they've got to fix that. And a lot of that is because they're young. They've got some young guys that they put in there and it's only going to take game experience, um, to get that. Um, so hopefully they can get that turned around. My big factor for tonight, you know, to be honest, is I'm I'm really going to be interested to see how the offensive line of the Raiders holds up, because the Chargers can flat get after the quarterback, and uh, you know that'll be the big key if Derek has has some time to throw and operate.
2: Yeah, I mean, on paper, this looks like this could be a huge game for Bosa. Uh, You know, with the Chargers in this game, you know, you've got to look at that. Running game with the Raiders. I mean, so much is talked about Carr, that they're really one-dimensional here. And the Raiders really, I mean, Peyton Barber had a nice game last week, but, you know, we saw that Miami defense, you know, get shredded again yesterday. I mean, they got literally shredded (laughs) against a winless Colts team yesterday. So I don't know what to what to make of the Raiders game right now. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, Barber comes in, has a nice game last week. Josh Jacobs still hurt. Not sure what you're going to get with him. But uh, what what do you do about this offense and this running
0: game? Well, I think you have to – I think Coach Gruden's got to determine – you know, how much he wants to try to press the issue. Right now he's getting away with the fact Derek Carr is playing exceptionally well and the passing game is kind of taking over. But you're going to need a run game. And it's going to come down to how healthy Josh Jacobs is. They're going to find out, you know, in pregame warm-up if he can go. But somebody else has got to step up. And they got to get a better running game. There's no question. They've got to be able to run some more play-action pass. In order to do that, you got to run the ball first. And they just haven't been consistent running the ball yet in any game. What's your thoughts about
2: Gus Bradley uh, so far? I know that there was a lot of you know hype and anticipation when he got this job, and then they got six new starters on the defensive side of the ball, and you're thinking like, well, wait a minute, you got KJ Wright, you got Denzel Perryman, wait, there, there's you know Ngakwe comes over. I mean, a lot of guys who have been you know had great NFL seasons you know in the past. I think the biggest question mark was, do all of these guys you know do any of them or all of them have something left in the tank? What's the early answer? I know it's only three games, but uh, what's the early answer so far with you?
0: Well, that, that's the question. Yeah, I think, do they have something left in the tank? Yes. Uh, can they come together and play uh, together? Defense is, is having each other's backs and then doing your job, making sure you're in the right spot. So um, they've had some breakdowns. They've got to get that fixed.
2: Mm-hmm. no doubt all right jay schrader former quarterback and jay schrader the arm is still in effect as we saw at the las vegas aces game a couple weeks ago my friend firing t-shirts i mean that was
0: outstanding I was- that was great I was I was firing t-shirts. My goal was to get it in the second level. We got some up there, so those folks weren't expecting some t-shirts. So it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it, and uh, I'm gonna have to, you know we got to get the aces to win the win again, so we can get some more games down there.
2: I know we we need this game five. You know uh, you know on yeah. on Friday night there, Jay, and you know again we got. Yeah. I, I was in Phoenix uh, yesterday for that, and going back again to for the game on Wednesday, and we we, we got to get this victory, and uh, I think it's so great. And we talked to Mark Davis. About about this all the time but just you know the 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 camaraderie basically between the two franchises that he owns there with the Raiders and the Aces and you can actually see the synergy there and to see you guys out there Raider alumni coming to the game supporting the team and firing t-shirts you know I I think that's great but talk a little bit about you know Mark Davis as an owner and uh and you know what he's brought you know not only to the Aces you know but to the Raiders in this community
0: Well, that's the thing, and we we talked about this, I think, you know, a long time ago when People are wondering what they're going to get when they get the Raiders, and it's much more than just a football team. You know, uh, Mark Davis is going to be very involved in the community. He's already proven that. He's, you know, gone out and done things. He's got people involved. The, the Alumni Association is very active in the community doing things. Um, people want to be in Vegas, and, uh, you know, the first time I was on your show, I told you Vegas is going to become the biggest sports town, and it, it's going to there's no question about it. You know, we'll, we'll end up getting the A's pretty soon and other things are in the works. So, uh, Vegas is going to be the hotbed of sports. No question about it. And Mark's going to be at the forefront of it. Right.
2: And, and going back to the, the T-shirt uh, fire, I appreciate that, Jay, too, because I always say I see people always, you know, go, throwing the T-shirts in the first couple rows. It's like, hey, the people upstairs, up in the cheap seats, they need the free T-shirt, okay? Let's launch those bad boys up there. So I was glad that, <laughs> that in your mind you, you could recognize that. That's what you were thinking, right? Or, huh? or was it just you wanted to I, show off the old arm? Is that what it was?
0: No, no. Listen, I've been doing. I've, I've been around long enough, and I know those people up there. They're at the game because they're diehard fans, yes. and they can't afford. They can't afford the big money to be on the floor. Yeah. And you know what? You got to reward them. They're the ones that they're the backbone that make everything go. So you got to reward them. So, you know, I had to get it cranked up. It, uh, it took me a couple of throws to get the old shoulder loose. It's not like I'm 20 anymore, you know. But uh, once I got it loose, I was able to crank some out there. So that was the best part. It was a lot of fun. There, there we go. We got a, a breaking news from the Las Vegas Aces,
2: Jay, saying they have just now put away the T-shirt gun. Jay
0: Schrader is our guy. They do, they do not need the T-shirt gun anymore. Hey, bring it on. I'll, I'll be happy to come down there. I enjoyed it. It was, it was a lot of fun. It's, it's fun to watch those ladies play. They're very talented, no doubt about it. And, uh, you know, you walk around and you look eye to eye or you look up at them and you go, man, <laughs> there's some athletes out there. And uh, so it, uh, I enjoyed it. And uh, I hadn't seen Bill Lambert in a long time. The last time I saw him, uh, they were coming in to play uh, – the Lakers in a playoff game way back when. And uh, so it's, it was fun just to say hi to him.
2: All right. All right. Real quick, back before I let you go, Jay, uh, just back to football here. Uh AFC West. Uh the Broncos got the first loss yesterday, and there was a lot of critics out there. Hey, they hadn't beaten anybody. Combined record of their, you know, first uh, three wins against uh teams with records of 0 and nine. Uh Baltimore came in yesterday and just put a hurting on them. Uh give us some thoughts as we look at the uh, Denver Broncos, and we already know, you know what the what the Chiefs are all about, and the Raiders are, you know, still haven't faced them yet, and they're going to get the Chargers tonight. But, uh, uh, you know, did you think that the Broncos were kind of a little bit phony heading into yesterday's game?
0: Well, yeah, you had to kind of look at it because I just don't know. They don't have the offensive fire, firepower to hang. Um, defensively, they can play with anybody, but in this league, it's all about offense, and I don't think the Broncos have that right now compared to the other. You know the other three teams in the league. Uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be a battle, and it's gonna be matchups um, coming down. It's always fun to watch. Uh, the Chargers always play the Chiefs exceptionally well. Uh, the Raiders and the Chargers battle. The Raiders and the Chiefs battle. That's been going on forever. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun to see how this thing plays out.
2: Yeah. All right. Jay, looking around the rest of the league there, and I know you're always looking at quarterbacks. Uh, We're all looking at quarterbacks, but, you know, from your eye, uh, which quarterback or quarterbacks have really impressed you so far this season? Besides maybe the obvious, of course, like, you know, Aaron
0: Rodgers and
2: uh, who else is out there?
0: I'll tell you the the guy that I am thoroughly impressed with is Mac Jones. Um number one the way he plays the game, number two the way he thinks the game. Uh, I think he's far far ahead of the other rookie quarterbacks in the thinking process and I think that's a testament to, you know, what he did in college where he was. He he obviously spent time studying and, and not wasting his time as he was as he was the backup but uh I'm always impressed when I can see a young guy come in, go through his reads, make calls, change the plays, and get it done. And uh, watching him operate last night was a lot of fun. Mm
2: -hmm. You know, Kyler Murray is another guy that seems to that that he's gotten it. And there's a lot of question marks. I think coming out of college, you know, whether
0: you know we know he's a great athlete, right? But now he's really getting it. No question. Yeah. Well, the, the the thing that Kyler Murray has done this year that he hasn't done previously is he's dropped back, put his foot in the ground as a traditional quarterback and is throwing it. He's showing people that he can throw it and they have the weapons to do that now, which is a lot of fun. Um, And then, you know, when things do break down, he takes off and runs and he's, he's a phenomenal athlete. Yes, he's getting it. Um, There's, it's been fun to watch. There's a lot of good guys playing right now. Uh, Kyler Murray is on top of the world. Uh, you know, just he's out there, but it, it'll, it's a long year. It's a long year. We gotta we gotta pace ourselves. You know, I keep telling people and 0, 3 and 0, 3 and <laughs> 3 and 03 and three and O, three and O, three and O doesn't get you any. Three and 0 doesn't get you anything. You know, it's seventeen games. You got to be able to to line up and play. And the the key in this league, TC, is when you're not playing your best, you still got to find a way to win. Right and. We, we haven't really seen that yet. We've seen them make some big plays to win the game. Um, but, again, you know, they haven't gone out and been on top and really, you know, demoralized anybody and taken control of a game yet. They need to be able to do that. I don't think tonight's the night because I think the Chargers are legit. I think it's going to be a dogfight.
2: Yeah, and like I said, you know the Raiders have been here before, not at three and O, but they've been at two and O, and what six and two. I mean, last year, right until they just right. closed the season right. just horribly, right? So you're right; it is a long season, yeah. and it's even a longer season this year with a 17 game regular season, you know, uh, than in years past as well, too. So no, I mean. Uh, you're you're 100% uh, right with that. You know, real quick, going back to that Arizona game yesterday where they beat the Rams 37-20, you know, a lot of love was given to Matthew Stafford, but, you know, Stafford, you know, he maybe took a little step back there yesterday, and, you know, I I did love the Cardinals in this situation. I thought they were a live dog, and mainly because you got J.J. Watt over there now, and then you got Buda Baker on the backside, and it kind of, you know, all came to... You know, kinda of fruition yesterday, you know, like, wait a minute, you know, Matt Stafford's yeah, well, gonna you, have some problems.
0: Yeah. You 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 kinda of were very kind when you said he took a little step backward. He took <laughs> a giant step back. There you go. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh he he did not play well at all. Um he looked like he was a little confused, he looked like he was a little rattled. Um I'm you know, Matthew Stafford can throw it with anybody, no question about it. The jury's still out on what kind of winner he is. Um, you know, you got a lot of stats in Detroit, but you're always behind, so you're always throwing. Uh, he's got to step forward, and he's got to eliminate these bad games and take control and, and, you know, just kind of dominate every week. And he certainly didn't do that yesterday. He had trouble.
2: Yeah, he did. Absolutely. All right, Jay Schrader, the man. Uh, you got a prediction for us tonight, Jay? What do you, you want to go on a limb here? Raiders,
0: Chargers, give me a score. What do you think's going to happen here? It's going to be 34-31, 34-27, somebody. I'm not sure which way. Uh, yeah. uh no, I'm, mean, you know, it, it, it could be a coin flip. Yeah. It really could. Right. I mean, it, um, and that's not a knock, you know, to either team or anything else. I just think both teams are evenly matched. Uh, as I said, you know, for me, by halftime, if the offensive line is holding up, Raiders got a good shot. They really do. Um, but if Derek Carr doesn't have much time, it's going to be a long night. So we'll see how it plays out.
2: If you get anything out of Jay Schrader's prediction right there, it was bet the over. Because he's saying someone's going to be in the 30s, someone's going to be in the
0: high 20s. There
2: you go. Yep.
0: It's going to be an over. Yeah, bet bet. <laughs> Yeah, bet the over. There's going to be some points scored tonight. I I
2: can guarantee you that. All right, my man. Hey, we appreciate you taking the time and joining us. Uh, We look forward to getting you back over at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas, too, man. we we got to eat some food over there. Uh, Double B is always asking about you, your UCLA brethren over there. I don't know. And what's going on with your Bruins here? I mean, real quick, you know, know, I'm I'm not crazy about your quarterback over there, Jay. Can you go
0: over there and talk to Chip Kelly? I mean, can you school this guy? something well i i'm not i'm not a chip Kelly fan, so that's a bad subject right so, right right, right. Um, I, I, don't, I i i don't I'm not a big fan of him, and uh I'll be honest, I don't think he's recruited the talent that he needs to to compete um so it it could be it could be an interesting year, um, you know, to, to beat LSU, which is, you know, okay. LSU is not really great, um, but to beat LSU, but then to come back and lose to Fresno is no excuse. So right. Um, right. you got to get it – got to figure it out.
2: See, he tells it like it is. Even his old alma mater, he's sitting yeah. there saying, yeah, I appreciate that. I agree with you. Totally agree with you as well, yeah. too. All right, brother, be good, man. Okay. Thanks for the time. Take care. Thank you. There he is, Bye-bye. Jay Schrader. They're recently married – Jay Schrader. There you go. Congratulations uh, to you, Jay, my man. All right, and uh, we look forward to having Jay join us during the course of the year. Of course, coming down to the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, where we always have a good time with uh, Jay as well, too. Uh, Breaking it down on both sides of the ball. Yes, Raiders, Chargers, going to be a good one tonight. They will kick it off at 5.15 p.m. in SoFi Stadium. Chargers, a three-point favorite in this game and I know a lot of people <laughs> on both sides here that, you know, like Jay said, if the Raiders have problems on the O-line, it could be a long night for the Raiders. And I think this is a great spot for the Chargers. I mean, it was one of my best bets. I do like the Chargers in this spot, but I don't know if it's just Raider Nation, Raider Faithful saying, ah, I like them tonight. I think that, you know, they're going to get the job done. And a lot of it is because people are banking on the huge crowd. Whether it's 50-50 Raider fans, it's 60-40 Raider fans or whatever. I mean, it's it's going to be more like a neutral site. It definitely will. It, no other venue in the NFL is going to feel like a neutral site than this. SoFi Stadium is it when the Chargers are playing. And again, I'm thinking that eventually, and it definitely will eventually, get to be a home field advantage for the Chargers. Some people don't think it ever will be, but all you have to do is win. And even though the Chargers got rid of Anthony Lynn, they made some coaching changes, they got themselves a franchise quarterback. They got themselves one of the best running backs in the league, in Austin Eckler. They got themselves one of the best wide receivers in the NFL in Keenan Allen. You also got Mike Williams as well, too. So they have got the makings to be a very good football team, and they're showing that. And then you go to the defensive side of the ball. You got Bosa. You got Bosa. He's fantastic. Joey Bosa is one of the best. And again, he could wreck havoc tonight. He could have multiple sacks against Derek Carr, against an offensive line. And the Raiders are banged up. So I think it's a good spot for the Chargers, but it depends who you talk to. Raider Nation, are you, are you rooting for this team or playing with, you know, if you're going to the betting window, are, are you doing it with your heart? You're getting three. I know some people are saying Raiders money line. Well, tonight we're going to learn a lot about the Raiders. After tonight's game, it is just one game, so I don't get too carried away, but you will learn a lot tonight if this team is legit because if they go in there and defeat those guys that we talked about, Herbert, Eckler, Allen, Williams, Bosa, they beat this Chargers team and beat them soundly, now we got something to talk about. This Raider team is four and zero. Now you're talking about something because now it's a division win against a very good team on their home field. Whether it's home field advantage or not, that's another thing. It means you're getting a road victory, which is huge. And then you got the Chargers one more time on your home field, Legion Stadium. Got to remember, both these teams won on the road at each other's place last year. So we'll see what happens tonight. Looking forward to it. All right, Bob Stose is going to join us from the Patriots, the great play-by-play man. We'll talk with him, and we'll get his thoughts on last night's riveting game, a very entertaining game, and as we know, very anticipated game with Brady coming back to Foxborough. We'll talk to him coming up next.
1: T.C. Martin. I'm ready to go in, Coach. Just give me a chance. The doctor is now in, in, in.
2: Tom Brady's showed some great. visitors, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The scene last night, Foxborough with the return of Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Still doesn't sound right, does it? The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. And Joining us now, a man has been front and center, and his voice was on several of those highlights. It was playing the video tribute last night on the big scoreboard there, the Jumbotron in Foxborough. Bob Soce does a fantastic job of the New England Patriots radio network. Bob, it's, it's been a while. Thanks for joining us, my friend.
1: Yeah, it has been a while, and uh, what a night it was last night. Uh, You know, the rain gave it uh, an even more dramatic effect, you see, but a really remarkable scene at Gillette Stadium and the fans chanting Brady when Tom came into the stadium for warm-ups and then roaring for Matt Jones when he came in. And, you know, Brady got his deserved adulation last night. And then, of course, I think it's the ultimate sign of respect to one of the great competitors in the history of sports, but the fans booed him and the Buccaneers when the game actually started. so, And it was a challenging game. I mean, it was a, a grinder and, uh, you know, obviously it came down to that field goal attempt by Nick from 56 yards out. And a good football theater, that's for sure. Definitely. So,
2: Bob, how much of a circus atm- atmosphere really has it been uh, around there? I mean, it's, you know, we'll, we'll get into you know some of the other stuff. But just this past week alone, and I, I just can only imagine what that's like. And, but you guys are kind of used to it up there, right? <laughs>
1: Well, you know, the funny thing about this, is, you know, people ask, how does it compare to the Super Bowl? And the game itself, and, and from the excitement standpoint of calling a football game, it's it's nothing like that. We've been right. spoiled. We've had the good fortune of calling several Super Bowls during my tenure with the Pats. So it doesn't compare in any way with that Super Bowl experience. But in terms of the hype and the build-up locally, I know nationally, of course, it was a, you know, a hot topic over the course of the last week, but it If you don't live in New England or don't listen to New England media, it might be difficult to understand just how much volume has been devoted to Brady and Belichick over the course of the last year-plus since Tom signed with the Bucs in March of 2020, and especially since the schedule was released in the spring. To say that the date was circled on calendars here would be uh, the understatement of the year. And certainly, you know, in, in the case of my flagship station and our competitor in the Boston market, and this has been the driver when it comes to sports talk over the course of the last several weeks, especially. Uh, this, the first couple of games for the Patriots, frankly, were almost afterthoughts. And the third game, certainly, you know, people didn't even think about the New Orleans Saints game last week. So it was all Brady and Belichick and, uh, you know, all about the Bucks visit to Foxborough uh, in terms of the buildup to last night's game.
2: And like you said, you guys are used to playoff runs. You're used to big games. You're used to Super Bowls. The Brady Belichick thing, as you know, kind of brewed for the last couple of years. You know whether it's going to be, you know, his last season there, and whether they get along. You've you've been through all that, and then you throw in the Cam Newton thing. You know, toward, You know, last year and especially this year, was this just like a continuation or let's say normalcy for you know what you're going through, or, or what level was this within the Pats organization and the players involved in in that locker room?
1: Well, it's always interesting with the Patriots. That's for sure. <laughs> There's never a dull moment around here. And as you mentioned, last year the Pats, after Brady left, brought in Cam Newton and had a very trying season on the field. But I think with Cam's presence early on, especially, you know, that gave you a pretty large figure in, in uh, recent NFL. uh, You know, uh, great uh, players and and game changers. When you look at, you know, when Cam came into the league in 2011, so there's some star power. There's an aura there, and it certainly again generated a lot of uh, attention and a lot of discussion. Um, And then as the season went along, and the Patriots really struggled, and the the Buccaneers came on, then I think it really intensified uh, the scrutiny and the criticism of the Patriots for the decision by Brady to leave. Whether you know, you know, whether you you know believe that you know he was forced out the door, that Belichick turned him away and wanted him to leave, or whether you believe that Tom just had a better option by signing with Tampa Bay, uh, whatever your point of view, uh, certainly for the Patriots organization, uh, it was a trying year in a lot of different ways on the field. But then in the off season, after the Bucks won the Super Bowl, uh, the the criticism and scrutiny really intensified in media circles here. And, uh, you know, it, it, to say it's a continuation, I think, is true in part. But yet, at the same time, it's a lot different than what we experienced last year, as strange as that season was, as strange as the year was for everybody.
2: And, you know, at least from a national media perspective, you know, we saw everyone kind of like taking sides. Well, Brady, Belichick, who's going to, you know... And I know that we got Bruce Arians very infuriated as well, too. But it seems like, Bob everybody, people, I'd just say everybody, but people in general, they like to have a conclusion. Does this finally yeah. put a rest to this now after last night's game?
1: Well, you know what I think is, is going to be fascinating is to see what happens with Mac Jones now and the Patriots going forward and Belichick. you know, I think they're, they're, the the debate is often framed, who was more important to the dynasty, and you you know and i and I and I think it's kind of a silly discussion because. To me, they were both important. Tom Brady wouldn't be Tom Brady, you know, uh, know, when we think of the greatest quarterback of all time without Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick wouldn't be Bill Belichick, the greatest coach of all time, without Tom Brady. I think, you know, the quarterback certainly is more important than the coach when it comes to, you know, the games and the success because he's on the field. You know, would the quarterback have been the same quarterback without that coach in his formative years? And I think Brady's been pretty outspoken about that. Right? And again, last night in his post-game remarks, talked about it. Uh, although, you know, some people, you know, again uh, from his his camp, so to speak, uh, his trainer Alex Guerrero, even his dad, Tom Senior, last week you know were quoted and uh, you know, heard it on airwaves. Uh, you know, in the case of Tom Senior saying that Tom was vindicated uh, by winning the Super Bowl last year and. You know, Alex, Tom's trainer, saying that Bill didn't evolve. So again, you know that 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 added fuel to the discussion. But uh, when it comes to that argument, that debate, I think to me, you know, there may not be closure to it because what happens if in a couple of years? Bill Belichick and Matt Jones win a title. You know, if Belichick rebuilds this team into another Super Bowl championship, and it's Matt Jones who's the quarterback that uh, you know leads the Patriots to that seventh Lombardi trophy. And I also think, though, at the same time, to contradict myself somewhat, I think because of Matt Jones' performance last night, it makes it a bit easier for for people who want to move on to turn that page, to say, okay, we gave Brady the proper acknowledgement, acknowledgement, the proper welcome, and thank you. With the ovation and the cheers when he got off the team bus in Providence and walked in the hotel, <laughs> when he went into the stadium last night again in the uniform as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, but th- but then it was Mac Jones' night to shine too, and he played terrifically, and so it would be the the moment I think to mark a transition from the past to the present, and maybe more so the future. Mm-hmm.
2: Bob Sause joins us, the uh, play-by-play voice of the New England Patriots, and I, and I want to talk about Mac Jones here in a minute, but uh, let's leave with this: back to the Belichick and, and Brady uh, situation, and then last night, I'm sure there are plenty of misnomers out there, Bob, as far as the relationship between Brady and Belichick, and even let's throw Robert Kraft in there as well, too. Okay, what do most people not know about that situation? And what should people know? Like, what is the real situation as far as relationship between these three?
1: Well, I think it's probably you know it, it, it's it, it's one in in which and Brady mentioned this uh, at some point. In fact, you know, and in, in there's been so much written and said, and I can't remember whether it was in an interview with ESPN Jeff Darlington this past week or with Peter King or last night at the podium. It's all it's all lost now. It's all blur in terms of. You know, when he said it and where he said it and to whom he he said it. But I think that the thing for me is that, you know, they they brought out the best in each other. And for 20 years, there was this great marriage between head coach, head owner, and quarterback that produced six Super Bowl titles plus an undefeated regular season uh, that did not end in a championship, nonetheless, on that championship stage. And when you think about that kind of success over that longer period, and then compare it to some of the other great dynasties, the Steelers of the 70s with Chuck Knoll and the Steel Curtain. Of course, that was pre-free agency and pre-salary cap. But even you, know, you look at the, the longevity of that particular dynasty, as great as it was, it was essentially one decade. And the same thing for you know the San Francisco 49ers with Bill Walsh and Joe Montana That marriage lasted about a third of the length of the Belichick-Brady dynastic run for the Patriots, with Kraft, of course, as the owner. So I think that, you know, it's just some dynasties, some some relationships, you know, the the, the lifespan is that five, six, seven years. In this case, they exceeded it, and they made it, you know, essentially a uh, 20-year working relationship that, you know, again, brought out the best in one another. And, you know, players say this all the time. It's not a, it's not an easy place to play. And Bill Belichick, Bill Belichick is not an easy coach to play for. He will say that. And I think for a long period of time, Tom Brady gave him the perfect example to show everybody else, because Bill treated Tom in a certain way. He sent the message to everybody else. And Tom, I think, wanted to be coached that way that there's a standard here and this is how we you know demand that you come to work every day and how you prepare and how you go out and play and that helped establish the culture they've had All right,
2: so the drafting of Mac Jones, which I loved, because I love Mac Jones at Alabama, and he seemed to be the, a perfect fit for the Patriots there. I want your viewpoint of that whole situation, because I really haven't got a chance really to, to talk with you, and we don't hear much about that situation unless we're you know, hearing you know, from ESPN or something like that. You know, When Cam Newton, when they decided to step away from Cam Newton, what was your viewpoint of that?
1: That's interesting, because I think a lot of people were surprised that they released Cam Newton, and yet not yet not surprised that Matt Jones had won the job. Matt Jones had outplayed Cam frankly from the start. You know Cam came in last year under very adverse circumstances, and I think in a lot of ways it was an unfair situation for him. He didn't sign until July. He comes into this offense that's really foreign to him, and he's got to pick up the terminology and learn the playbook on the doorstep of a shortened training camp with no preseason. And then you go through the year, of course, with, you know, the COVID effect and uh, the number of players and games that were lost for the Patriots, including Cam Newton that disrupted the season. Then he re-signs on a one-year deal. The Patriots go out and they make a lot of moves to try to help themselves in free agency, particularly on offense at the tight end and wide receiver positions and with the one-year deal for Cam Newton, you know, okay, they've got to have another quarterback in the pipeline at least. What are they going to do in the draft? They pick Mac as the fifth quarterback taken in the draft. They didn't give up a lot of draft capital to move up and get the quarterback. They waited. He came to them. They take him. And I think that probably at that point in time it made sense. Cam now has all these guys who are going to help him have a better year. He's going to have a full off-season under his belt. And they can bring Mac Jones along slowly. But I think Mac's accelerated learning process and how quickly he grasped the offense and how quickly he was able to really force Belichick and, and McDaniels to give him more, put more on his plate. When I say McDaniels, Josh McDaniels that's offensive coordinator, by the time the OTAs were done, you could see okay, he's put himself in position actually to make this a quarterback competition. And then during training camp and the preseason, you know, Mac might not have been the guy taking the first reps, but he wound up getting more reps you know per practice and per game as training camp in the preseason went along. And although Cam was always the lead guy when he was out there, nonetheless he did miss five days because he left New England to go to Atlanta, he's not vaccinated or wasn't at the time. And so, because of the NFL protocols, he had to set out a full five days, and that gave Mac really a chance to shine in joint practices against the Giants. And I think that was really, you know, the moment where a lot of people said, "You know, this could be a real reality. I mean, he he could definitely win the job." And then, what do you do with Cam Newton? And I think it it did, it did make a lot of sense to keep Cam once they made the decision that Mac was going to be their quarterback. Because I don't think Cam Newton, and he said this himself uh, in a video with his dad, I don't think. You know, Cam could be the backup for the Patriots. Right? The aura of you know, him that superstar status, even though he's had several down years and a lot of injury problems, and he's not the same player he was in 2015 when he won the MVP. There is still a mystique around Cam. Uh, you know, still the gravitas that I think exists with a lot of players, and I think it only made sense for the Patriots at that point in time if they were going to commit to Matt Jones. We had Brian Hoyer, a veteran, who could really be, you know, his. Uh, go-to guy, his mentor in the meeting room, his mentor in the film room and on the practice field, and a guy that they believed was a capable backup. But they wanted Mac to be the quarterback, and I think it also gave Josh McDaniels the opportunity to actually evolve the offense, the offense that's more typical of what you expect of the Patriots.
2: And it, and it took all the drama out of it. You know, the circus atmosphere, the drama, what you get with Cam Newton. But then, just like you said, if he is the backup, well, you know, when is he going to take over for Mac Jones? Is it going to be a Mac Jones has a, uh, you know, a, a three-interception game? Then then what happens there? Exactly. It, you take all of that drama out. And I think the Patriots, and we say what you want about the record right now with the Patriots, but it's a better environment or better situation, I would think, uh, now that, than it was, you know, four months ago or, you know, Going back to last year,
1: yeah, no question about it. And again, you know, Cam Newton, his his skill set not quite the same. I mean, not really nearly the same. I think anybody who watched him last year saw that he had a lot of issues with his mechanics and, and throwing. And with the Patriots' offense, you know, though he was improved this year, again, I think it was very very limited how much they could grow to this offense. And we've already seen it. What Mac Jones was asked to do last night, operating with a no huddle, the efficiency, uh, the decision making that he has shown. You know, I, I think that along with your point, it's an excellent one about the drama and, and having him there. You know, and you never know, like how is a guy who's been a starter his whole life and been a star his whole life? How will he respond now to being the backup, particularly if things do not go well for the rookie? But at the same time, too, I think it, you know, Matt Jones gave the Patriots and still gives the Patriots the better opportunity to have more success this year because he's able to take the offense. To the next level, week after week after week, and I think we're seeing that as they go along. They're one and three, and they haven't played great overall. But I do think that they have improved offensively. If they can protect him, I, you know, I think certainly uh, they're going to. They're, they're going to. Uh, that's the main key for them. If they can protect him a lot better, he's been facing a lot of pressure. Then I think they're going to be able to turn this season around.
2: And there seems to be a huge upside here. And again, it helps when you come from a Nick Saban program in Alabama and, and you know, just hearing what this kid is like as far as, you know, a great
1: kid. Yeah. Super the, smart.
2: Yeah. I mean, can you see him, Bob? I mean, we're getting way ahead of ourselves there, but can you see him, you know, becoming a long term face of the franchise? I'm not going to compare him to Brady or anything, but just being that guy that you can count on and that he will develop year after year.
1: Well, you know, one of the things, T.C., that really stands out about him is how quickly veterans and youngsters alike uh, across every walk of, of you know life in that locker room. Uh, guys respected him right away. Guys liked him. He's very popular with his teammates. And, and I think that's another key, too. I think if, if, the, if the rookie had come in and, you know, there was any question about leadership and whether teammates would respond to him because Cam was very popular in the locker room last year and I think he earned a lot of respect. Just because of what he had gone through during the course of the season, I think if there was any question, maybe there would have been some reservations about appointing Mac as the starter. But he he came in. He's bright. He's a, you know a guy that, as I said earlier, grasped the playbook immediately and continued to ask for more and continued every time he faced adversity too. You know, and we saw it in last night's game or an early interception. Uh, he was able to come back and, and later complete 19 consecutive passes. That's been his demo uh, really since he became a Patriot. He's had a bad series in practices or a bad practice day or a you know, bad series or two in a game. He's, he's very resilient, and I think that you know, those are signs when you compare them with his, his decision-making, the accuracy. I think he's got more than adequate arm strength. I think his footwork in the pocket is good, even though he's not an extremely mobile athletic quarterback outside of the pocket. So you're not going to get those unscripted throws. But everything is there for him to be a successful quarterback. And I think the Patriots, as I said earlier, they got to protect him better. They thought the offensive line would be a strength. And I think that it, you know, if they can do that and they surround him with, with uh, good people at skill positions, which I think there's been an urgency to do uh, with what they've spent free agency, and I think going forward in the draft, you're going to see that at receiver and tight end. Uh, then this is a guy that can have long-term success in the league, provided you know he stays the same. And I don't see any other reason. I don't see any reason why he would change. But uh, he's a really likable young man, and he's handled everything great. And I think that's the most impressive thing about the past week from his standpoint is just how he was. You know, uh, faced with so many questions about Tom Brady, and he handled it all with a plum, as if he were a a ten-year veteran. And then he went out last night, and frankly, you know, for stretches, granted different circumstances, he was the better quarterback at times last
0: night. Absolutely,
2: I totally agree with you. All right, last night's game, Bob. What what happened to the running game? I mean, that was a little startling to me i mean damian yep. harris four carries minus four yards jj taylor one carry no yards nelson aguilar gets a carry for four yards bruce uh, uh, rather brandon bolden uh one carry for no yards they had eight attempts in minus one yard rushing i don't recall ever seeing a stat like that i never thought i'd see a stat like that in new england what happened to
1: the running game well, they really struggled last week, too, against the Saints. You know, two outstanding rushing defenses, number one. I think, you know, in the case of Tampa Bay, nobody's running on them, at least the first four games of the season. And I, Bruce Aarons even joked about it at a press conference early last week. And I think for the Patriots, you know, again, their offensive line was supposed to be a strength, and they were supposed to be a team built on the running game but, and and built through a two-tight offense, but I think what they've realized, you see, is that during the course of the first few weeks, they're better when they spread it out and give Mac the opportunity to stand back there and see things out of the shotgun. And then, you know, just play pitch and catch with a lot of shorter throws, shorter, quicker throws, and with... The struggles they've had on the offensive line were the problems that the tight ends experienced in the first three games. Not only pass-catching, but blocking. You know, I, I think what, what they thought was a strength, they traded away Sony Michelle because they had drafted Ramondre Stevenson from Oklahoma, who was terrific in the preseason. Sony's in his final year of his rookie contract. They dealt him away for potentially a couple of draft picks from the Rams. And they had Damien Harris... Who's you know, Their lead back, you had J.J. Taylor is a pretty exciting little player. James White, of course, is an invaluable part of the Patriots organization and has been for a while. All in that backfield. And then after the trade of Michelle, Stevenson fumbles on his first touch in the NFL. He doesn't reappear. He's been inactive for the last three games. Taylor was inactive for a couple of games. Last night he gets out there and he fumbles on a screen pass in the third quarter. A real critical play and he doesn't reappear in the game. Uh, and uh, White, of course, last week got hurt with uh, a hip injury that ended his season and potentially, you know, it's, it's certainly a career-threatening injury. And so you lose, you know, that valuable piece, and suddenly it's just Damian Harris and Braden Bolden, you know, an old reliable veteran who's really more of a core special teamer. And uh you know, the running game right now is is far from a strength and certainly against two teams like New Orleans and Tampa Bay, it was a weakness. And I think last night it made sense. I don't think that they wanted to butt their heads against the wall. Now they found themselves, when they ran it on first down in negative yardage spots and in second and long. And I think they wanted to try to stay out of second and third and long as much as they could. All right, final
2: thing here real quick, Bob. What kind of shape is this team in uh, for this season and the future, especially with Mac Jones?
1: Well, if you have a quarterback in the, in the NFL, obviously that that, you know, puts you in a lot better position than most teams. I mean, I think that the, you know this is a team that spent a lot of money in free agency, $170 million guaranteed, or they're about $300 million overall back in the spring. Uh, so they brought in a lot of veterans, and they've got a lot of aging guys on defense. A lot of their leaders are in the final years of their contracts. And when I think you look at you know, the drafts over the course of time, that's a reflection of why they had to spend so much money. In free agency, they really struggled in the draft from about 2015 you know, through 2019. I think the last couple of drafts show a lot more promise, including Mac Jones. Uh, but you know, going forward, TC, I think you know, they they have a young quarterback that, as we just discussed, could be their franchise guy. I mean, there's still a long way to go, and a lot of things can happen over the course of the next couple of years, but. Uh, they've, they're going to have to, you know, continue to draft well. Again, like I said, they've had a couple of promising drafts now in 20 and 21. Uh, and and next year they're going to be faced with, I think, a huge leadership boy because they, they could lose. Kevin McCourty, Matthew Slater, Dante Hightower, all those guys are longtime Patriots, longtime captains in the final year of the contract.
2: There you go. Great stuff, Bob. All right, we appreciate the time. As always, you do a fantastic job. We love hearing your radio calls, and uh, I look forward to visiting with you again real soon, brother.
1: PC, thanks a lot. I appreciate it.
2: You got it. There he is. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate Bye-bye. you. All right, Bob Sosi, the play-by-play voice of the New England Patriots. And anytime you see some old Tom Brady calls or any uh patriot calls it's bob been with him a long time him and scott zolak the former quarterback uh pride of maryland back in the day uh yes they do a fantastic job together with the new england patriots radio network all right I want to thank bob for joining us jay schrader always fun visiting with him sam gordon heidi fang boom a lot on the table today bam 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 and it continues tomorrow terrible tuesday Yes, we got that going tomorrow. Steve Sachs joins us, because guess what? It's postseason baseball, baby. Major League Baseball, it's here. Starts with a wild card game tomorrow. American League, Red Sox, Yankees, one and done. That's it. We play 162 games, one and done. Dodgers-Cardinals coming up Wednesday, one and done. ALDS Thursday, NLDS Friday. We're loving it. So a lot to cover all week long. Plus, we'll be covering all aspects of the fight Fury, Wilder, all of our great boxing guests as normal. And we'll be at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas on Friday as well, too. So don't you dare forget. All right. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, tcmartinshow.com. All the stuff is up there. Have yourself a good one. We'll reconvene tomorrow at 2.